This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Now, that's a picture of how God speaks to us. We sit down with an open Bible and an open heart, and we want to hear God. And just like God does, just like Kate does, comes up close to her father. God gets up close to us and says, I have a secret to tell you. And then just like Kate, he whispers something into the secret ear of our heart with something he impresses on us from the Bible, something we've read before, but now all of a sudden it's come alive. It's like it's got neon lights on it. And so it happens This is the mystery of what happens in verse 27. What ye hear in the ear, that preach ye on the housetops. Actually, what the Lord is saying here is being drawn from a custom that we learn about today because it's in the Talmud. It's several places in the Talmud. It refers to a common practice by this rabbi or that rabbi, Yochin or Ezra, several of these rabbis. It was described in the Talmud that they had standing next to them a man who was called an interpreter. So when there would be a large group in front of these rabbis to hear do his teaching, what the rabbi would do is he would turn to his interpreter and he would go like this, see? He would whisper the teaching in the ear of his interpreter. Then his interpreter would go out and say what the rabbi said. That was the way it was. Now, for example, sometimes there were Jews there who didn't speak Hebrew. They said, spoke another language, and the interpreter was an interpreter. He was a translator, and he didn't translate it into language. But whatever it is, the interpreter served as the mouthpiece for the rabbi. That's the picture that the Lord is drawing on here, where he's saying, I'm the rabbi. I'm speaking into your ear. You're the interpreter. You speak it out. Now, the question is, We've already talked about all these things that were very terrifying about people hating them, wanting to kill them, persecute them, beat them, chase them. And yet in verse 26, he says, fear them not. And in verse 28, he says, fear not them. 
So what's the connection between verse 26 and 28, fear not them and fear them not, and verse 28, what I tell you in darkness, and verse 27, what you hear in the ear. What's the connection between that? Don't be afraid and what you hear in the ear and what I tell you in darkness. What does what I tell you in darkness and what you hear in the ear have anything to do with fear them not? And the answer is, that's how they're going to be able to not be afraid. If we sit here and think of all the people who hate us and who want to kill us, it's terrifying. It's terrifying to think about that. And then we think, how am I going to be able to stand? You know, it's, it's easy now. We're in our comfort zones. We're sitting out here at beautiful San Diego, nice sunshine. And if we say right now that, oh, we'll die for the Lord. Yes, yes, we'll die for the Lord. Just like Peter. Peter, when he was in a safe spot, he said in Luke twenty two thirty three, he said unto him, Lord, I'm ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. Mark 14, 29. But Peter said unto him, although all shall be offended, yet will not I. Now, anyways, that was self-reliance. Peter was relying on himself. And so what happened? Luke 22, 34, he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt deny me thrice that thou knowest me. Reminds me of the two believers who were in a prison cell together for their faith. They were about to be the next morning. They were going to be burned at the stake. And they were sitting in this prison cell at a table, and there was a candle burning to give them light there. And the next morning, they're going to be burned at the stake. And if they didn't renounce the Lord Jesus, and one of the believers said that he just didn't know if he could do it. He said, uh, I'm just not sure I can endure the flame and not renounce the Lord. And he was worried about this. He was troubled about it. If he's going to be strong enough to be able to take it, take the flame and not renounce the Lord. So what he did was he took his finger and he put it into the fire, the little candle there on the table, put his finger on the fire there and he pulled it out and he says, I can't do it. I can't do it. I don't think I, I won't be able to do it. And he was all troubled about that because he thought if he couldn't even endure the flame on his finger from the candle, how's he going to endure the flame on his whole body when it comes time for him to be burnt at the stake? And the other believer wisely told him, look, when you put your finger in the flame, you didn't have a special grace from God to endure that pain. But in the morning, you're going to have a special grace from God to endure being burned at the stake. What he was telling him was Hebrews 4, 6, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. See, it's all about grace to help in time of need. So when the believer put his finger into the flame there as a test, it was not the time of his need for the grace that he needed to help him. But when the morning came and he was going to be lashed to the stake, and the fire started to burn his body, that would be his time of need when he could depend on the Hebrews 4.16, find grace to help in time of need. So what the Lord is saying here in verse 27 is that what I tell you in darkness and what you hear in the ear, then we're going to have to face, when we have to face those who hate us, we have to face those who want to kill us, that will be our time of need. And that will be the time for Hebrews 4.16 to play out in our lives. Find grace to help in time of need. And the grace that we're going to find to help in the time of need will be in the form of what the Lord tells us in darkness, of what the Lord tells us in our ears. That's going to be the grace that we're going to find to help us 
to not be afraid. It's going to be from his word. This is why it's so important for us to lay up God's word in our hearts. It's so important for us to read it every day. It's so important for us to memorize it, to study it, to think about it, and to sing it, just like it says about Mary in Luke 2.19. Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now, he says here that we are to preach it on the housetop. You know, the housetops in those days were flat. They were like this one. And they had a banister around them, a very important banister. Moses made a big deal about that in Deuteronomy. He said, when you build a new house, you put up this banister because if someone falls off and you don't have a banister, it's your fault. So anyway, the housetops were designed to be a, a place where people went to. And on those hot summer nights in the Middle East, when the houses would heat up during the day and become like an oven at night, people would just retire up to the housetops in the evening. And that's where they would eat. That's where they would talk. That's where they spent their evenings. As a matter of fact, most of the houses on the block where my house is in Israel, they were made like this to have people in the evening. In fact, my house was made like that too, except we closed in and made a room in it. But anyways, originally it was like that. So on the summer nights, people would go up at that time to, to the housetops. They would relax. And as they were, one house to the other, then it was like it was like a big community. People on one housetop were right next to a people of another housetop. And if you spoke in a loud voice, you know, you could speak from one housetop to the other. And even if you spoke in a loud voice, you could speak to people down there on the street. So in the summertime, when all the houses were full of people escaping the heat, you had quite a conversation between all the housetops, you know? And if you wanted to spread a message far and wide, you just proclaim something on one out, person on your, your right, person, oh, really? And he turns out and says, did you know this? And before you know it, the message is spread throughout the whole city there, from housetop to housetop. This is what he means when he says in verse 27, preach ye upon the housetops. Now, the Lord knows that you preach this message on the housetops, the message that unless you repent and turn to God's lamb, turn to God's sent one, turn to God's Messiah, turn to God's Jesus, you're going to be cast into hell. Now, you're going to be threatened with murder. He knows that, and that's why he's bringing this up. That reminds me of the time when I made a trip to Petersburg, Virginia, where my father was from. It was about 15 years ago, and I went there just try to find those few people that knew my grandfather and just speak to them and more about my grandfather because my grandfather died five years before I was born. My grandfather was the rabbi. My grandfather was the moil, which means that he had sharp knives because he did circumcisions. And my grandfather was the shoket, which means that he was the person who did the ceremonial slaughtering of the chickens and the animals and so forth, which means he had another set of sharp knives. So I was sitting in the parlor of Mrs. Lois Grayboyles in her house, and I had just told her that I was the grandson of Rabbi Cantor, Louis Cantor, and that I, as his grandson, 
had received the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior, and she looked at me and she says to me, I can see your granddaddy, that's what she called him, your granddaddy now walking up the lane to the front door, she's saying. And she says, and I can see your granddaddy, I can imagine in my mind, your granddaddy meeting you. And she said, and he would murder you. <laughs> she said, <laughs> and the way she said murder, I remember she dragged it out, sent chills on my spine, murder you. And I believed her. And the Lord knew that the disciples are going to face those who wanted to murder them, which he says in verse 28, fear not them which kill the body are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. So I told them, don't be afraid of those who will murder you because they have a limitation. And their limitation is they can only kill the body. Now, in verse 26, the Lord says, don't fear them. He says, fear, but he does say in verse 28, fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That means that there is a fear that we need to put down or discourage. And there's another fear that we need to build up or encourage. The fear that we have to put down or discourage is the fear of man. It says in Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. So this verse is setting up a contrast, a contrast between the fear of man and trust in the Lord. This verse is saying it's going to be one or the other, but not both. It's going to be either the fear of man, and then it will be no trust in the Lord, or it's going to be trust in the Lord, and then there's not going to be the fear of man. A choice has to be made. Now, we see this in the Bible in the first example of a dramatic example, I guess I should say, of the fear of man without the trust in the Lord when it's a very sad history of Abraham. Very soon after God gave him the promise in Genesis 12 that he was going to have progeny like the stars of the sky, like the sand of the sea, which means he's going to have children. Very soon, a few verses after that in Genesis 12, 12, that he fell into a trap. He says, therefore, he went down to Egypt, and he said to his wife, Sarah, who evidently was very beautiful, all the Jewish women are very beautiful. Therefore, it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall see thee, that they shall say, this is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Say, I pray thee, that thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. So Abraham had a fear of the Egyptians, and because of that, Abraham did not trust in the Lord. He didn't trust in the Lord. The Lord had said, you're going to have progeny like many, many. You haven't had any yet. So why don't you just trust me that because when if the Egyptians kill you, you're not going to have progeny. You're not going to have. So, but no, he didn't do that. And so this was a terrible time. And do you think that Abraham could tell the Egyptians, I sing the mighty power of God? There's no way that he could tell them about the mighty power of God because he didn't believe in the power of God. He didn't trust God. And that was a very sad time. So he could, Abraham could not hear in the ear and preach on the housetops the power of God. And there was another time 
in the life of Abraham. A very sad, again, he was afraid of man this time with the Philistines. And it says in Genesis 20, verse 2, Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she's my sister. And Abimelech, king of the Gerar, sent and took Sarah. And then in verse 10, Genesis 20, 10, Abimelech said unto Abraham, What sawest thou that thou hast done this thing? Abraham said, Because I thought surely the fear of God is not in this place, and they will slay me for my wife's sake. It's really strange what Abraham said. He thought he was worried the fear of God was not in that place. What about Abraham having a fear of God and saying, God, whether they believe in God or not, whether they have a fear of God or not, he's going to protect me from being killed. Well, that didn't happen, and it was very sad because the wrong decisions that Abraham made, which is a lesson for us, the wrong decisions that Abraham made also provided a bad example to his son Isaac, who did the very same thing in Genesis 26-7. Isaac, the men of the place asked him of his wife, she's my sister, for he feared to say she's my wife. Lest said he, the men of the place should kill me for Rebekah because she was fair to look upon. So Isaac was not saying, God has promised that I will have a son, and God is so powerful, he's going to protect me from being killed. Isaac was not preaching from the housetops what he heard in the ear. Why not? Fear of man. Fear of man. And neither will we preach what God tells us if we're afraid of man. So this is a fear that has to be discouraged, put down. Aaron, look what Aaron did because he was afraid of man. In Exodus 32:23, he says, he told his brother Moses, when he came, Moses came down off the mountain, says, what happened, Aaron? How come we got a calf here? And Aaron says, well, they said unto me, make us gods, for they'll go before us. For as for this Moses, we not brought us out of the land. We what not was become of him. Aaron allowed Israel to go and commit the greatest sin in the wilderness there of making the golden calf because he was afraid of man. And King Saul, it says there, that he was explicitly told no spoil for the people, for God, the spoil. No animals for the people, animals for sacrifice. And he allowed the people to take the spoil and the animals. Why? For Samuel 15, 24, Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned. I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord because I feared the people. He lost his position as king because he feared man. Peter, we've already said how he denied the Lord. He denied the Lord because he feared a little girl who accused him of being with Jesus. Matthew 26, 74, he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. Rulers of the Jews who believed in Jesus, they believed, but because they were afraid of the Pharisees. John 12, 42, nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him lest they should be put out of the synagogue. They love the praise of men more than the praise of God. And maybe the greatest sin that was done because of fear of people, Pilate. Pilate, who knew Jesus was a just man, who determined in his heart, release him, let him go, whose wife had put fear in him by telling him, don't have anything to do with that man. And what happened? John 19, 12, henceforth Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth. Verse 16, 
for John 19, 16, then delivered he him therefore to be crucified. That's why the Lord says, fear not them which killed the body. Verse 26, fear them not therefore. Because we think, oh, well, if we skirt by it, compromise a little bit, we'll be safe, we'll be happy. The Bible says no. It says in 20 and 25, the fear of man brings a snare, but whoso puts his trust in the Lord shall be safe. And Proverbs 16, 20, he that handleth the matter wisely shall find good, and whosoever trusts in the Lord, happy is he. Psalm 118, 8, it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Because fear is based on, when we're afraid, it's always based on something that we think terrible is going to happen. It's, oh, if I do this, if I let this happen, this terrible thing's going to happen. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They, for all intents and purposes, they thought, well, we're going to get burned up, thrown into a fiery furnace for not worshiping the idol. But that's not what happened. In Daniel 3.26, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth out of the midst of the fire. It says, they were looked at, and it says, they saw these men upon whose body the fire had no power, nor was a hair of their head singed. Neither their coats changed, nor the smell of fire passed on them. Fear might have said to them, you're going to be burned up. But that's not what happened. God prevented that from happening. Same with Daniel. When Daniel was thrown into the lion's den because he wouldn't stop praying, he was thrown into the lion's den because he wouldn't stop praying. And so what happened to him? He put his trust in the Lord. In Daniel 6.23, Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. That's why we have to discourage fear of man. Put it down, because we don't know what God is going to do. We are sent as sheep into the midst of wolves, and the battle for the disciples had to be fear, was fear, fear of being martyred. We don't have fear of that today, thank God. But we have a fear of being ridiculed, of being despised because we proclaim that Jesus is God. We have to discourage that fear, that fear of man, because we realize there's a time coming up when it's all going to be opened up and everybody shall see, every knee will be, every tongue confess, every knee will bow, that Jesus is Lord. And this is where I have a particular problem with television and movies, because so often, these, what's portrayed on television and movies is the enemy of the truth, which is why I don't like to watch movies, because scenes of Hollywood terror are not the reality that God allows, but realizing that man has a limit to his power, and man, at the worst, can only kill the body. He can't destroy the body and the soul in hell. Why? Because the body is going to be, bodies are going to be resurrected again, resurrected again. And so, but, uh, so the devil and those that want to kill the body, they have a limitation. They have a restraint. And so this is why it says in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour not who he decides to devour, but who he is allowed to devour. Now, so it's a great limitation. And this is what the Lord means in verse 28 when he says, not able to kill the soul, not able to kill the soul. He puts it another way in Luke 12, 4. I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body. And after, they have no more that they can do. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.